Ciao ragazzi, uh, welcome to another episode of Serie A Sit Down, I'm your host Richard Carmen. obviously no Frank Cravello in the house tonight, uh, you know real quick, uh, you know our friends over at Calcio Connection, uh, Alex Dono, they, those guys and Jerry, Jerry Mancini, they do a great job, but you know Alex has this thing called Onside Radio and he often has Frank Cravello on the show and uh, it's two key people are missing from that from that show and it's myself and I'm going to bring on my co-host because I think we need some alone time. I'm bringing in Jerry Mancini, co-host of the Coucher Connection, man. How are we doing tonight, man? Fantastic. I would have been better if Milan had won today. Uh, and that's coming from a Lazio fan because I invested an hour and a half to watch this team and I felt like I was watching Lazio. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, it, was, it was tough, tough, man. Mark Morgan is on the house. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, Jerry, uh, the man who uh, not only not only co-hosts uh, Calcio Connection, but also a man who writes articles for pretty much everybody, including Royal Football Index. That's uh, it's a great you know website where you can check out everything on articles and anything football related. Plus, you can check out other podcasts besides ours, like the European Football Show and the South American Football Show. So make sure you give that a follow, Jerry. Um, man, it was a crazy weekend, huh? A lot of disappointment going on this weekend. Uh, some big games, obviously the Derby della Capitale, that's big for you. Obviously Derby d'Italia with Juve Inter. Uh, and then a big game in terms of, you know, Champions League spots and as well as relegation, Jerry. Uh, lots of stuff. It's getting down to the wire here with another week to go. Um, hair pulling stuff from pretty much every game, huh? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just don't get how Milan doesn't book their spot today. Like, that's the most frustrating thing. Like, Napoli's actually taking care of their backyard, and they look really convincing. I can't see them losing to Verona, especially after how they lost to Crotone on Thursday. Like, that kind of performance really was shocking. And then they played tomorrow as well. So, I I don't – I just don't see how Napoli loses now with Juventus. They're like a cat. (laughs) <laughs> you got nine lives. That's why I, I they do. Consider- they do. They do. And that's uh, that's a sign of a champion. Meaning, you know, nine time, you know, nine times reigning champions. Um, you know, at least historically in the past you know, nine years or so, every time you counted Juventus out, they'd always find a way back in. Uh, let's start with let's start with the reigning champions or former champions, I should say, and hosting against the new champions. Inter. Uh, this is an interesting game. Uh, obviously, a big game. Obviously, a huge game. Not only in Italy but also in Europe as well. Um, lots to get into in this one. Uh, let's just start with the goals first. Uh, all, the goals that happened, you had first goal happened actually uh, in the 24th minute. Ronaldo gets a penalty, but uh, the play that leads to this, it's uh, Darmian taking down Chiellini in the box. Jerry, uh, was that a penalty for you? Absolutely. It, it's clear and obvious foul. That, that That's what kind of convinces me why it's a penalty. Um, there's no way of sends him butts. And you can see Darmian actually accepts it and knows that he's at fault and he has his arm wrapped around him. Yeah, this game that is uh, full of had full of controversies, as you'd expect in a big game like this, especially with Juventus and Inter involved. Uh, this, I agree with you. I think this was not a. Uh, this was certainly a penalty. Uh, there's no arguments on my end either. I thought that was a correct call. Uh, we would see this would not be the last of the penalties in this game, Jerry. Uh, just uh, what 11 minutes later, uh, a penalty would be called. Or first, uh, Lautaro Martinez uh, gets taken down in the box. Nobody knows what happens, and we're like, "What? Why is he rolling around the ground?" Uh, they go to replay. Uh, it looks like Delic steps on the ankle of Martinez, and a penalty is called. Uh, correct call for you? Yeah, it's it's accidental, but at the same time, you got to be aware of what you're doing and. When his foot goes down on his, on Lataro, it's 
it's a foul. It, yeah. It's people are gonna say it's soft, which it is, but ninety nine percent of the time it's always been given. So I don't see a different uh, situation there. No, yeah. You know, at first when it, when it first happened, I'm like, what the heck's he rolling around? I didn't see anything. But when you watch the replay, it's pretty clear. Delix steps on the ankle of Martinez, uh, and he goes down, and a penalty gets awarded, rightly so, I think. Uh, and of course, Lukaku is going to step up as Ronaldo just put it away for the for Juventus this minutes earlier. Uh, Lukaku puts it away. It's one one at this point, uh, and, and it's a it's a back and forth game. This is uh, more wide open than I think Inter would like. You look at the statistics in the first half, it, it was pretty, at least from the shots perspective, it was heavily leaning towards Juventus. We thought it was going to go into halftime by that score 1-1, Jerry, but uh, uh, some play uh, some play on the on the right-hand side by Juventus eventually leads the ball out to Cuadrado. He hammers it home, deflects off Christian Eriksen, goes right past Handanovic. Uh, that's a gut punch to, to Inter going into the halftime, Jerry. Uh, big goal there by Cuadrado, who I think had a pretty good game in this one. I thought he was their best player. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's taken a lot of criticism this year, but playing on the right side in the midfield probably takes him away from his weakness of, of defending and gets the best out of him in offensively side. Like, I thought he was very effective, consistently delivering crosses, putting balls into good areas, scoring two goals. Like, I've always thought this, this season he's always been good with the ball, moving forward but on the defensive end like i said he's very poor at defending and he's 30 assists with i believe 10 so that kind of tells you what what he's been able to consistently produce with this team so that that going into the halftime with that kind of goal kind of demoralizes inter and kind of gives them the momentum to juve that they need it and on a side note a lot of people are calling out Samir Handanovic for not making the save. I, I don't agree. Yeah, yeah. And that's very – everything happens so suddenly. And if a ball takes, like, a, a deflection, you're not really ready for that. How do you how do you react to that? And, and everything's going so quick. Yeah. So that that's one goal where I won't fault Samir, and it, it's just some luck at the end of the day for Juve, which they always get. Yeah, I think if that shot had gone directly towards Handanovic and he whiffed on it like he did, absolutely you're going to give him a lot of criticism. But I think when it deflects, people don't understand how much a deflection can really change things for a goalkeeper because, you know, it just it's so instant that, you know, yes, it was kind of in his in his area where he probably should have had it, but because of the deflection, it threw, it threw his whole timing off, threw everything off, and it's hard to get, make, you know, really him at fault for a deflection like that. I mean, it was, a, it was a thumper of a shot by Cuadrado, someone who can bring it, and so, yeah, it's tough to give him, uh, you know, criticism in this one, though I saw a lot of criticism in that first half for Handanovic, like you said. But uh, 2-1 at halftime, uh, many people thought, uh, oh, this is going to be done now. Inter or Juve are going to set up shop, and th- that's it for the game. And I'm like, this is not Allegri's Juventus, Jerry. Uh, we've seen this before. If it was Allegri's team, yes, you can see 2-1 for the remainder of the game. But it's not, and, and Juve have given up lots of goals uh, this season. And so did you think that more goals were going to happen? Because I certainly did. No, for sure. And this is an Inter side that doesn't want to lose the derby either. So... I think that's the biggest uh, factor here is that even though you're in first place, there's always pride on the line and always having bragging rights. So going in the second half, I didn't see Conte just telling his men, stop playing. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up too because a lot of people thought that 
Oh, Conte is going to do his his old team a favor, let them win. Inter won the title. They're not going to care. It's like no. Inter and Juve are huge rivals. They're probably they're the biggest rivals in in Italy. I mean, Inter and Milan are rivals, but Inter Juve is even a bigger rivalry. And Conte is going to try to get one over on his own team every day of the week. Uh, so I didn't see that. I didn't see Inter laying down for Juve in this one. And you obviously, you're, you, I think you hit the nail on the head that. Conte and Inter were disappointed to be down two to one at halftime, and you knew they were going to come out in that second half. Um, things got interesting and spicy in that second half. Uh, that's when the controversy started creeping up. Uh, you know, ten minutes into the second half, um, Bentancur, who's already on one yellow, uh, he and Lukaku uh, collide. Lukaku goes down. Referee gives a second yellow to Bentancur. Um, looking at the replay, Jerry, I thought it was more of a shoulder to shoulder, and I thought it was a pretty harsh red uh, to give Benton Core. What were your thoughts? Did you think it was a second yellow on uh, Benton Core? That normally is never given a yellow card because that's just a fair challenge on two yeah. players trying to win the ball. That's all it is. And for Lukaku's physicality and the the size of him. I don't see what's wrong with that kind of challenge. Right. He's not really going in cleats with him on his leg or anything like that. So it's not a reckless play. Right. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I mean, both of us, I think, were probably in the in the in the the, the camp that wanted to see Juventus lose. Uh, but we both think that this was a harsh harsh call. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think you know this is it's a contact sport. Two guys were sh- clearly shoulder to shoulder. Uh, and Lukaku's a big man. Yeah, he goes down. But I mean, and that that's a it's a football play right there. I didn't I didn't think I didn't see a yellow in that at, at all on that play, and so I thought that was a little harsh uh, for Juventus to go down to ten men. Uh, we've seen at times that you know when teams go down to ten men, either they play much much better or they play a lot worse. Um, this was it was you were pretty much on on par. Maybe they got a little bit better uh, once uh, Benacore went out. Um, but the game kept going back and forth. We had some chances. Uh, you know, Matteo Matias Vecino came in in around the 80th minute or so. Uh, shortly as he came in, he had a header on uh, Wojciech Chesney. Chesney made a great save. Uh, it didn't seem like it was going to be Inter's day, uh, but then in the 83rd minute, uh, nice cross, and I believe it's from Perisic. Um, players collide in the box. It was Lukaku and Chiellini. Uh, ball goes into net, own goal. Referee calls a foul on Lukaku originally, Jerry, uh, but then it goes into VAR and uh, decides that it's actually Chiellini on the foul. Goal, own goal would stand. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Did you think it was actually a foul by Lukaku or, or Chiellini on that play? Um, neither foul. I just think it's poor defending by Chiellini. That's what it is. Because when you see the positioning of where Chiellini is and how he's holding him, which he doesn't need to, he has the position on him. He, he, he's got the inside. I, yeah. There's no need for him to, to make that foul in the first place or or just challenge him like that. All he has to do is head the ball to safety, and that's it. He over-analyzed. I think he made it more complicated than what it really was and ends up in a, with an own goal. And, and you're seeing that Chiellini is no longer the player that he once was. Yeah. He's really struggled. And if he can't defend a guy like Lukaku, I don't see him being in the Euro roster for the summer. Like, Well, I, I he shouldn't be in the roster. We know that he will be because that's just how – stubborn these guys are they they go with name over whatever you want to go with it like it's just, it's just a form the, the, or whatever yeah yeah but 
it was the right decision, but you'll, you'll, you'll be getting to the next one where I don't agree. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, I thought I agree with the call on, the, on this one. I thought Chiellini, uh, certainly you can watch it. His, his hand was all over the jersey pulling down Lukaku. So, yeah, I thought that was end up being a right call up by VAR. Uh, so that made it 2-2 at that point. Uh, and then uh, as uh, Mark Morgan uh, hints here in the chat, he says uh, the Calvarese uh, disaster class would continue. Uh, in the 88th minute, Cuadrado coming down the right-hand side goes 1-1 against Perisic. Cuadrado goes down in the box, Jerry. A penalty is awarded where he converts it, makes it 3-2. Uh, but before the goal, was that a penalty? No, it wasn't. Absolutely not. I, I looked at it this morning as I was writing my winners and losers piece just to see the contact on Perisic, and he doesn't make any contact on Cuadrado. And what it bothers me is that this didn't go to VAR, and the referee did not look at the play. That's what bothers me. There is the consistency. Like, you go VAR, VAR, let's not go to VAR all of a sudden. I'm like, why? Because with three minutes left, like it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And then... To hear Juventus fans say, oh, it's always us that, that the referees try to help us. Well, sorry, guys. When there's three minutes left in the game and all of a sudden, let's go VAR, VAR, and skip VAR all of a sudden. It, it, it's it's it, Mark's right. It's a complete joke yeah. because Perisic doesn't make any attempt on his knee. He, he makes a good football play yeah. and wins the challenge with the ball. I, I don't see what's wrong here. Like, it, It's not even the challenge that bothers me. It's the fact that the referee just neglected to go to VAR in such a crucial point in the game. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Because, I mean, like, you're watching the play. Perisic is coming down. He's just continuing his run. And, and Cuadrado tries to make the cut in. And he initiates a contact, then falls over. I thought it was a complete joke of a call. And those calls will happen where the referee will miss it. I think the big thing was, why didn't they go to VAR? Was VAR in, in Calvarez's ear? Did he ignore them? Did it not go to? What was the reason for not looking at you? I mean, a game of this, you know, magnitude with so much on the line, go to VAR just to double check it. Why not? Who? What's the big deal? What's it gonna hurt? You gonna make the right call? Woo! Whoop de do. Uh, I I didn't understand why this was not you know reviewed again. Many people you know are that, that was the main complaint. I think the argument I saw, other than the bias that you were talking about, uh, that people are talking about that Juventus bias. Uh, I thought you know. You have VAR. This is one of the few leagues that if VAR actually works fairly well, go to it. And the fact they didn't do it, it was it was despicable. I thought. Um, and so the the Calvary is a disaster class. You know, pretty much uh, closed out there. We did see a second yellow in the uh, 92nd minute by Barozovic. A second yellow, Jerry. I thought that was absolutely a second yellow as as opposed to the Benton core. Uh, Brozovic clearly angry uh, when it took out his frustrations on his man and uh, got the second yellow. So no qualms by me. Um, thoughts overall. I mean, this game certainly lived up to the hype, right? It was a 3-2 for Juventus. They get a much-needed win. Big three points where everybody thought that they would be out of UCL after this. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts after this match? I think when we did a live yesterday, and Alex Donald said it perfect. The fact that they had clinched the Scudetto with four games remaining just shows how important that was. What, how the game turned out yesterday. What, what it could have done to their season had they needed the three points yesterday. So that was the most important thing was that they wrapped up the Scudetto as quickly as possible because of poor decision-making. You know what? You're right. The Derby lived up to the hype, even though that Inter had very little to play for. But they showed professionalism yesterday where they tried hard to make 
to basically end Juve's chances of a Champions League spot. Unfortunately, um, it didn't go that way, but I, I give credit to Enter to showing up and, and just playing a, a very hard game. Yeah, they're playing like the champions they are. They want to go out with a bang, right? Uh, and I think, I think, like you said, I think that good thing this title was already wrapped up because had this been a game where winner gets the title, you know, that kind of situation, oh my goodness, the, the controversy would have been through the roof. You would have had, you'd heard Juve haters all over the place and this and that and magic. We didn't need all of that. Good, good thing the title is wrapped up, and it was a it was a, it was a good game, but uh, obviously not without controversy in this one, Jerry. Um, you know, Inter. They had. Uh, they, we knew the game plan going into this was that they're going to let Juventus have the ball, play on the counter as they've done many times this season. Um, but it seemed like uh, they gave too many opportunities to Juventus. Uh, you know, Inter hasn't really given many goals this season, especially you know three in a game. Uh, we saw Juventus, you know, with everything on the line, giving their best effort. You know, say what you want about Calvarese, uh, whether he was the 12th man or not. But, um, you know, at least uh, both teams really finding it out, Jerry. And, um, yeah, now, you know, when we thought the top four was maybe going to be secured after this weekend, it's as wide, as, wide open as ever, isn't it? No, absolutely. And someone has to get knocked out of a Champions League spot. And two will make it. That that's what it's gonna come down to. And I don't want to say it, but I feel like either Napoli or Milan are the team that are gonna get effed. I don't know who it's gonna be. I actually, you know what? What I like to see who is gonna be appointed the referees for these three games. I think that's the biggest factor. Calvarese? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just curious to see who gets appointed as referee. I think that's the biggest question here. Like, I, I saw a poll go on Twitter to, uh, today or yesterday where it's like, who's the most hated referee? Now, like, it doesn't matter who you're going to call because there's going to be controversy no matter who they pick, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it, it's tough, man. And uh, it will be interesting to see who that referee is, Jerry. But, uh if you had to pick a man of the match for Juventus, Calvarese aside, who else would you pick in, uh, as a man of the match? Uh, I would say Quadrado. Yep. Like we said, um, he was my man of the match. And if I had to pick one for Inter, I, w- I gone with Skriniar, just thinking that he's been their best defender this season on a consistent basis. And I thought he was pretty good yesterday, even though they conceded three goals. And none really were his fault or for the most part, their back lines fall other than the second goal. So it's um, it's very hard. I thought Brozovic was probably one of the worst, worst players in the game. Uh, Bentoncourt, aside from his yellow, was pretty poor. Yep. Just hasn't really fit in that midfield compared to last year where they could have sold him for a good 30, 40 million probably. And now his value is lucky if you can get 10 million for him for how poor he's been. But there, I think there's like a... There's a clause in his agreement with, I think, with Boca Junior, mm. where they get a percentage. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think Alex right. was Alex was telling me this yesterday, so I didn't even know that. So that's probably why they haven't considered selling him. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's an excellent point there, and I think uh, Wojciech Szczesny also had a pretty good game as well. Had some key saves. The the, the save on Vecino on point blank was pretty big as mm-hmm. well, especially that time of game. So yeah, uh, lots of good play going all the way around. Um, Let's move on to another game that's more near and dear to you. Derby della Capitale. It was a big game, Jerry. Um, lots on the line. I mean, you guys are obviously trying to get to that Champions League spot uh, as well. You guys had a glimmer of hope to get in there. And Roma, you know, Roma just been 
really hurting lately. They've not played well at all. They've, they've had some big games here and there, but with the games when they matter, they have not performed well. Uh, looking at the lineups in this one first for the host, uh, Danielle Fusato in goal. Uh, that was a surprise for me to see that. But then uh, you're looking at the rest of the lineup. You had Karsdorp, Mancini, Ibanez, and Perez. And back uh, in the midfield, you had Cristante back to his normal midfield position with Darbo, uh, Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini, and El Sharawi, all led by Eden Dzeko. Uh, fairly strong lineup in this one, Jerry. Um, I think in, in terms of Roma's lineup, I was... You know, I was surprised by the insertion of Daniel Fusato, but also uh, by Ibrima Darbo. I thought uh, I was surprised to see him in there, but he uh, I thought he had a good game in this one, at least. Actually, yeah, he did. And and I think that on a few occasions, he kind of had the better of Luis Alberto, where he won some challenges. And yeah. I, I remember in the second half where he tries to get by him and clean challenge and he falls to the ground. Yeah. So, it, and... It was a, you know, I, I, where Roma is in the season, I, I don't see any surprises here. This is Fonseca going out with a with a change, and there's not much left at stake for him. He knows that there's only two games left for him, so it, it's the decision making becomes, I guess, a lot, a lot less easier, and you can make a little more risky moves and say, hey. I'll put Fuzato in, in, in goal and see what we get. Yeah. And it actually paid off. I agree. I think he did pro- actually played pretty well. And uh, you got to remember also that for most of these Roma players, this is an audition for, for Mourinho coming in. Um, you know, he has some familiarity with some of the guys like Smalling and Mkhitaryan. But, you know, these other guys, they want to make an impression on the on the new manager coming in. And so having a big game like this in a derby, in a derby match uh, will go a long ways, I think, for that. And, you know, Fuzato and, and Darbo made some, some great impressions, I thought, in this one. Uh, look in the lineup for your guys. Uh, Pepe Reina in goal once again. Uh, you went with Marisic, Acerbin, Radu in the back with Lazari, Milinkovic-Savic, Leva, and Luis Alberto, Lulic. And then up top, uh, Immobile with your boy Morici. Uh, thoughts on Morici in the lineup, Jerry? Depressed. <laughs> if you ever want another side to beat Lazio, all you have to do is put Verdat Morici in. That's all you have to do. And, and, and I hate how people say that. Immobile was complaining that he had to be up front with Marici and he didn't show like good body language. And when you're playing on a consistent basis with Korea and you've built that chemistry, uh, Caicedo, each player has complimented each other. Whereas Marici doesn't compliment any player on this team. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's, it's That's the, the nature of it. The biggest and Zaki got it all wrong from the beginning. From starting Lulic on the left side where he was beat on multiple times, like his speed is no longer – he doesn't have pace. No. So that didn't help. No. And then you have Marici who, who lacks pace as well and couldn't beat a Roma defender if his life depended on it. The guy who should have started was Andreas Pereira. Yeah. That's the guy I don't understand why he didn't start from the beginning. Um that that's frustrating, and, and the only thing I can think of is two things I was saying today myself. One, you're you're basically showcasing Marici now to try to boost his value and try to sell him. Yeah, I see that. Or two, because he's under contract, and you need to see where it goes for the future. Whereas Pereira is unknown. But I, if that's the case, the, the latter, I don't like it because even if you're on contract, if you're unknown, you specifically wanted the player in your squad. So it shouldn't matter what how he's there. Yeah. If he if 
if he benefits the match much better, you go with him. Look how, look how Lazio had changed as soon as he came in. Yeah. Immobile had two quality chances. No, he did. He did. And I, I think, you know, this is this is a derby match too. Yeah, it's end of the season. You want to see who, who you know, who's going to be there for next year or who fits in better or, you know, whatever. Who's a who's a permanent guy, who's a lone guy. But, you know, ultimately this is a derby. And your ultimate goal should be to beat your rival. And you, you field your best 11. I think, you know, Simone Inzaghi was maybe th- overthinking it too much. I mean, I don't know what was going on here. He just, he tried to tinker too much with this thing and didn't really keep it simple, I think. And, and it showed in the game. I mean, obviously you guys had a lot of chances in this game, but um, ultimately the, the lineup did not work out. As you mentioned with Morici and, and some of the other guys who started, it, it just didn't work out at all. And, and for whatever reason, you know, in this kind of game, Inzaghi just didn't stick to his guns, didn't stick to what he's used to, and it tried something different, and it's not the right game to do that, I don't, I don't think. Um, the game, you know, unlike the, the the previous derby that we just talked about, uh, this was less controversial, uh, lot of, very tight as you'd expect in a big derby game. It probably didn't take until about the quarter hour mark where uh, Sergei milinkovic Savage uh, pounced on Ibanez's error. I don't know what the heck Ibanez was doing, uh, but uh, he feeds Luis Alberto, Fusato, on his mark, gets up, makes a save on Luis Alberto. First big save of the match, Jerry. Um, I thought you guys were going to get a goal right there. That was a terrible, terrible error by Ibanez. I have no idea what he was doing on that play. No, absolutely. And that, Ibanez has done this a lot this year. He did this yeah. in the last year derby as well where he conceded the first goal on the uh, the turnover, which led to yeah. Mobile scoring. But uh, it's a lot to a side that fails to score when their chances have come in the last couple of games. That's that's basically what it comes down to. This was the second clean sheet against them in the last three games, which was absurd because I think they've went on a streak of like 19 games where they only where, where they were able to score at least one goal on a consistent basis. So and then the as long as much as the Luis Alberto chance was kind of frustrating that he was unable to score. And I think he could have made a pass too on that. Yeah. There was I think he could have made a pass as well, but I guess the shot was there. But the biggest factor was Sergei Malinkovic-Savage, if you recall that one, Mm. where he tried to chip the ball over the goalkeeper instead of just making a perfect shot on target. Yeah, in the 35th, yeah. yeah. I don't know what he was thinking there. I mean, it looked like Zaza on a a penalty kick there, right? Goes right over the bar. I'm like, what are you doing? It's a simple goal for you. I'm like, you're you're trying to be too cute here, trying to get a top-10 play goal and... I mean, we've seen this too many times in this sport, right? Where you have a great opportunity, you should have scored, you miss, and what happens? It goes down the other way, and it wasn't right immediately, but in the 42nd minute, uh, Roma would get their first goal there. Um, it was a immobile turnover, and you never like to hear that, right? But uh, El Sharawi on the counterattack feeds Jekyll, who feeds Mikatarian, one uh, nothing. Uh, Mikatarian getting his 12th goal this season, Jerry. Um, it, it sucks when you get a goal get against, obviously, but uh, when you get a when you get a counter goal, when it happens so quick, landing quick, when your guys are out of position, uh, that's got to hurt a, really, really a lot compared to you know when, when you're just a poor play. No, absolutely, and it's been the same case. We lost to Fiorentina with a poor goal to open the game, and now we lost to Roma with a poor goal to open the game. When I look at why they're not in a Champions League spot, and and Everything went their way. Let's be real here. Yeah. Because Milan dropped the game today. Uh, Juventus dropped the game last weekend. So the cards are all in play. Now, what happens? They didn't do their job. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's just frustrating. And, and Sherby, 
he was very poor on that play. And I thought he was poor from the get-go. And yeah. he has not been the same like he was last year. He's on a yellow, so what's he going to do? He's not going to haul him down the box. And I don't even know how um, – I think it's what? Mick, it's Checo in the box who scores, right? Uh, Mick, uh, he assi- he assists the Mikatarian for that goal. The Mikatarian, that's yeah. right. And, like, how is he wide open as well? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why Why is no one picking him up? I, yeah. Everyone's kind of criticizing a Cherby. That's fine. But he's in a position where he can't take a foul. He has been a corner where he kind of forces him into making the pass. And neither Radu are, and I believe Latsidi as well, mm-hmm. if I'm not sure. But I haven't looked at the replay of the, game, of the goal. I, I didn't even know that because I – when I'm so caught up in the game, I haven't even looked at the highlights to like. I didn't even know that Immobile actually can concede the turnover, which I have to look. But yeah. that and they there you go. That's where you get the bad side of Immobile now because he's trying to do more than what he's supposed to because his partner up front is just not good enough. Yeah. He's not going to say that. No. That's not what's going to come out of his mouth, but. It's just a guy who's trying to make his game harder than what it really should be. Yeah, and it's very it's interesting because another guy who does something like this uh, is actually his teammate on the Azzurri, Andrea Balotti. Balotti has the same issues when his teammates are not up to par to what he wants. He sees him drop back deep and then tries to create more opportunities. And oft, more often than not, he's he's causing some problems for his teams because he's in a position, he's out of position, tries to do force something, and then it gets turned over and you know it leads to a counter. So, uh, yeah, you know, when your teammates are not you know giving you the ball, you try to get the ball, especially if you're a striker and you want the you want the ball. Uh, and then sometimes you just you force plays and it, and it happens like that. So uh, yeah, the quick goal uh, there on the counter. Really up to that point, it was really. I mean, though the game was still 0-0 at that point, I thought you guys had majority of the of the, the better opportunities in this game. You know, um, Roma obviously had some good possessions and nice plays, but I think you guys had the more looked more dangerous of the ones to score in that up to that point. Did would you agree? Um, or did you see another way? I see it differently. I okay. see that lot. I see that lot to had chances, but not good enough, and, and no. it took too late. Sure. And, and, and as much as Immobile's chance was nice and he got stopped, he was offside. Yeah. So it wouldn't have counted either way. So that chance kind of like would have been ruled out. And then Marici was kind of offside by a hairline. Mm-hmm. And there, there was no flow for, for Lazio. In the first half an hour, they were so slow. The build-up play, I don't know why they were taking so long, so long to make passes and move upfield. It, it, it was very frustrating because the biggest takeaway for me is that they were impressive against Milan, and they played very well against Genoa except for the last five minutes. <laughs> and then they follow up with three terrible performances against Fiorentina. Parma, they had a miracle. And then yesterday they were just so not driven in this game is Sergei Malinkovic-Savage was the best player in my opinion and he was effective in all areas and as the game progressed he kind of became fatigued and that's where you see at the 85th minute where you're down to nothing and for for health reasons and just precautionary you take him out with the last substitution so it's just there is no blend to this lineup where there were 
enough chances created. I thought Roma had the better chances, and they just lacked finish. That was the only problem for them. They missed so many quality chances in the second half that as the game grew on, their confidence grew as well. Yeah, and Roma were certainly the more clinical of the of the two, right? I mean, Pedro comes on late and he gets that goal in the 78th or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was. Uh, I, I agree about your point about uh, SMS being the uh, the best player of the game, probably for you guys. Um, I think the pass of the game was when uh, Luis Alberto in the 35th that you talked about, where he made that pass to Milinkovic Savic and he missed that shot. That was a great pass that, that Luis Alberto made. But overall, I think Sergey Milinkovic Savic was the better. Better, best performer really uh, for you guys in that game but you know Roma they as a team they were much better uh, they seem to be more in sync with each other finding each other good passing and going around um, uh, yeah just really well done and, I, and it was nice for me at least to see Cristante back in a midfield position where he's accustomed to playing I know a lot of Roman fans will say t- will say that oh he's played decent you know as, as a defender but I I haven't seen it Honestly, I have I don't know about you, but I haven't seen it. So when he's in the midfield, he can be more of himself. He doesn't have to think about it too much. He just his natural instincts take over. And I thought he had a good game overall. So um, yeah, well, what are your thoughts on Cristante as a defender versus a, a midfielder? I'm curious on, on your thoughts because both both Frank and I agree that he's terrible at defending. <laughs> he's not Marco Parolo. He's this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I, I just I don't like playing players out of position. Um. Aside from Adam Marisic, say, who has really played in every position this year and has really been amazing at left wing back, right wing back, right center back, it's very few players that you see are able to transition like he did. Um, For Cristante, I don't think he's a center back. He's just all over the place. Uh Uh-oh. Frank is uh, Frank judging. Is, Frank Uh-oh. is in the house, apparently. He's not on the show because we kicked him off. No, no, Frank <laughs> has got something to do tonight. Uh, that's why Jerry's helped me out tonight. But, uh, yeah, Frank is scoring us tonight. So, hopefully he scores us better than Calvarese. That's all I can say. <laughs> no, you're right. Cristante shouldn't be playing as a center back. He His positioning is terrible. He runs all over the place. He's been caught out so many times. Yeah. He's conceded so many goals. Like. I guess you can play a midfielder out of position out in midfield. That's fine because he doesn't expose himself in the back end. It's very iffy because you really need a strong forward defense line, like in order to do their job. Right. And of his physicality and his stature, I, I don't think he's suited to be playing as a center back personally, but that's just me. Now let's shift the talk from center back for Roma to center back for Lazio, and in particular Acerbi. Acerbi, who's someone who's been a rock for you guys, he looked very weak in this game. I, he many many times he got beaten by guys, not only Jekyll, but you know several other guys. He didn't look like he didn't have the strongest of games, Jerry. Uh, is this just a blip on the radar, or is this something where you know you got to really start getting worried and maybe start thinking about you know? this summer looking for a center back to to bring in to help him out or maybe even eventually replace him what are your thoughts on the cherubi overall well i I actually saw a tweet yesterday that since he had he met his girlfriend his performance hasn't been the same so i i didn't even know that i'm just kidding i i don't don't know if that's even true but i started laughing when i read that i thought that was pretty uh unique but a lot of a lot of lazio fans were upset with him at the end of the day it's in, it's on in dog. He's on a yellow. You take off Marisic. You take off Radu. They're not on a yellow. Why do you? The one guy who should have stayed on with Marisic, if anything, because of his, 
he threw his water bottle in, in disgust and he was really pissed off. And as much as you love a Cherby, you sometimes can't depend on your best players and you need to hope that others step up. Yeah. That's, that's just the, the reality. And it came back, okay, well, his second yellow didn't really matter, but he was no no nowhere near the player he could be when he took a, conceded a yellow in the 23rd minute. So as for a Cherby overall, I think he's been poor this year. Um, yeah. Maybe it's the fact that he's been overused in the last couple of years now and, and the minutes are starting to pile up on him. I, I do believe he picked up an injury during the game as well. Um, it was in the second half when he slid early oh, right, and he right, kind of right. he kind of pulled something when you if you see it. So that could have hurt him as well. If you know that's the case though and you see that, you gotta come out. Yeah. Like it's there's no need to like further injure yourself and, and kind of risk your, your Euros as well. So I, I like a Cherby, but you're right, they do need another center back. Um Radu, I thought Radu was our best defender yesterday in the back line. He was. He looked like he was twenty five instead of freaking thirty four, <laughs> and this this was the issue going into the season. We signed Wesley Hoot, yep. and then we get Matteo Masakio, which I I didn't think it was a bad decision on on a Serie A level, not not on a Champions League level. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Even yeah, yeah. Even, even if you you play him in certain games, like a Fiorentina last weekend. And, and you shift Marisic down to the left side because Latsidi had the fever. And like, why are you starting a player who has a who has a fever and not and not he's not well? Yeah. Like those are the decisions that hurt our season and, and, and really frustrates me because you're starting Marisic in the back and you got a center back or not you got you got a defender who's on the bench who can be playing. It's these things. And what happens now is you're using guys like a Cherby over too much and I don't know. I, I just think that a Cherby could be better if he was managed more properly this year with the whole condensed schedule, with the Champions League on top. Like, it, it, like if Milan's to, to go to the Champions League next year, just to say, I would hope that they would strengthen their squad much more compared to what Lazio did. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, David makes a point in the chat that, you know, it could just be his age that he's declining. You know, he's 33 now. Um, you know, not everybody can be like uh, Kiar, who's 34 and seems to be getting better. But uh, yeah, no, it's you know, it's 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 a position that is very very important. Um, you know, you mentioned how you know Inzaghi probably should have pulled the Cherby. You know, yes, he's your captain. Maybe he's you know he's one of your your team guys. But you sometimes have to take those guys off, right? You know, look at Milan with Romagnoli. Romagnoli's a captain. He's a guy who who's a leader on the team, and Pioli Pioli benched him. He wasn't playing well, and sometimes you have to do that for your star players to maybe get the point across, or you know, just sit him in general and find someone else. Man, you guys may not have somebody else. A guy who you know you thought you had, you know, coming into this year, Marash Kambula, uh, ends up joining your rivals, uh, and he, you know, he ends up playing. He comes in for under 38th for uh, Ibanez, and he had he had a decent game, I thought. Uh, someone who had a lot of potential, obviously, last year with Hellas Verona. Um, you know, I think having a, a finding another center back out there this summer is is important for you guys and uh you know for anybody who has either champions league aspirations or you know wants to get into that into the top four they need to have some depth you can't just you know you know we've seen this with you guys in the past where you guys had strong 11 players but maybe not so much on the bench side uh, i think you guys need to work on getting some better depth players and maybe eventually someone to take over each a Chatterby spot he's 33 as david mentioned and um you know finding some younger guys or at least guys who can compliment him right 
Um, and so that, that I think that'll be an area that you guys should focus in on. Um, obviously, getting rid of Marici, I, I, I would assume you guys are going to get rid of him, or you think you guys are going to keep him this year or next, so, next year? So I'm not sure. Uh, a colleague of mine, Nando, actually sent me a, a picture today of Lazio's transfer mark in the last two years. Okay. And as much as people call Latito cheap, when you're not making smart investments, I think that the cheapness got to go out the window. And you got to say, this is not a, a Juventus Inter Milan side where they can spend, we'll say, what, 200 million to 150 yeah. with all FFP and all the issues. So let's just say, okay? You got a guy, Marici, who's 18.5 million. Uh, Lazzari, who was 14 million. Vavro, who was 11 million, now 14 million because we in his clause about Champions League and qualifying and making to the round of 16. Mm, okay. So that went up. Fares, 8.5 million. So there's four players there. That's almost what? 10, 20, 30, 40, almost 50 million right there. And only one has panned out well. Yep. And that doesn't that doesn't take into effect that Hoot was 1 million. Akpa Akpro was 2 million. Uh, Johnny was 2 million on loan. You got Pereira who was on, 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 uh, on a loan and basically – didn't even play that much and, and was supposed to be a, a big factor. So Musacchio, well, he costs zero million, costs zero, but his wage is still. And then you have Escalante and then uh, there's just not enough quality there for all the signings. It's it's not it's not good enough. And I think it's the, the bigger issue is Vavro and Marici, where one's on loan and the other is just. Uh, just a waste of space in my opinion but uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's just it's two bad years of of transfer markets that has really hindered them now and uh, who knows what what's going to happen with Tade? i know that there was kind of a latito was not has not been impressed with him and i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back next year yeah and you're talking about spending you know and uh a manager who's coming in next year for Roma, Mourinho, uh, you would imagine that he had something in his contract where he says, I have to be able to spend some money just to reinforce my team. Um, an issue for Roma this season has been the defense. Now, obviously, in this game, they looked very, very good. Uh, you know, maybe you guys helped them out. Um, there could be many factors. Obviously, Daniel Fusato played a big game as well. Uh, I'm curious how he factors into the goal, starting goalkeeper uh merry-go-round going here going in the future with Mourinho maybe Mourinho is going to be impressed by this who knows but you know Mancini's obviously someone who's going to be you would think he's going to be around he he's a good player I see him playing being a big role for Roma and the Azzurri going down you know in the future um Ibanez he's had up and down mostly downs this season Chris Smalling had started started very well and then kind of faded away whether it's injury or not um I think they could I think Mourinho's going to bring in another defender for sure um Roma have a really Strong midfield, I think. I, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been talking about how good they play this year. They, they keep possession. They're fast. Uh, Mkhitaryan is a revelation this year coming back, and uh, it, it's really great to see with Roma in that regards. But I think you know if they can find a center back to to kind of complement some of the guys they have, really solidify them. I and mean, this is one of the better defensive support performances they've had in a while. Uh, and then maybe find a replacement for Jekko. Maybe it's time to move on from him. Whether you start Mayoral or bring in another striker, I don't know. But I, I expect Mourinho to spend going into next year, Jerry. There's got to, there's got, there can't be a way that Mourinho's not going to spend, right? He's got to have something in his contract which allows him to spend at least forty million euros. Come on, right? It's hard. You don't have Europa League. You don't have Champions League. 
Um, I think the bigger question is who do you sell first before you can actually buy players? That's the biggest issue here because you can't be buying more players and taking on a lot of these heavy wages. Like there's a lot of heavy wages in this club. So who do they get um, rid of? Know. Who do they get rid of? That's the question because their midfield is playing pretty well. I mean, do you get sacrifice one of those guys to get a bigger piece somewhere else? I mean, a guy like Pastore probably gets sold. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, like him. Um, That's a good call. Um, I know that he, he has history with Mourinho, which might work in his favor, but since he arrived with Roma, hasn't really been a factor. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it, Jekko, he's on a one he's got one year left on his contract. I think he's the easiest player to sell, even though his wages are seven and a half million. Um it's not like you're locked up with him for five years. Yeah. You're locked up. Yeah. You're locked up for one year. So, and it's not Ronaldo wages either. So, yeah. I. And hey, maybe Kumbula gets more opportunity going here, going to next year, right? He there's a lot of potential with him defensively, you know. So, yeah, give it to some guys like Juan Jesus, and um, you know, maybe Brian Reynolds gets some opportunity here. But uh, you know, in terms of goalkeepers, maybe Paul Lopez has seen his last game with. Uh, with Roma, I mean, Mirante has been pretty steady for them. He's, he's not that great of a goalkeeper, but maybe Fusato is someone that you can kind of uh, build on and, and see what see what he has before you you know, you know move on from him. But I think Paulo Lopez, maybe it's time to move on. Isn't he like 32 as well? I forget how old he is, but. I'm not even sure. I just, how much was Lopez? 40 million they spent? I feel it was a lot. I feel it was a lot. I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel it was a lot. And he's been so dreadful. Uh, other than a good Europa League this year. Where it's kind of it's one of those cases where he shows up in European competition, but when it comes to league play, he becomes a ghost. Um, I, I don't know this Roma team. I, I just think that there's a lot of missing pieces, and and if Mourinho wants to spend money, he's got to think twice because he's got to really think outside the box and kind of be different with his team. Yeah, you know what I mean. He can't think like he was. 10 years ago where he has a, a flexible budget and he can buy the best players. He really needs to get the best of what he has right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick next year with Mourinho in who does better Lazio or Roma off with no knowledge of what's going to happen in the summer based off right now. Am I going on the base? I Zaghi still the manager with Lazio. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with Lazio. Okay. I just, I, I just think they have the better starting 11 and, It'll be interesting to see. I think being in the Europa League will will be a little bit less stressful for them. Back where you guys belong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where we belong. I, I and I just hope they don't tank uh, the Europa League. But I I just think that considering the injuries that Lazio have have dealt with too, and and not being not having a squad to compete with the Champions League has hurt them. A lot of factors. I, I I'll go with Lazio finishes ahead of them. Okay. But but not by much. And then last question on these teams uh, from this guy named Frank or something. He says, "Is Chiro ready for El Nazionale?" No bullshit. You know what? I'm gonna say yes. Okay. And and I and I and I say this considering if Insigne, which is gonna start on the left, I, I think the bigger factor is Berardi starting on the right. I agree. That is a guy who can really make a difference for Immobile. I, on the last international break, I felt that those three really made an impact for each other. The speed of Barardi kind of opens up the space like a 3-5-2 for Immobile where he can play behind defenders. He he draws players towards him. 
the way he plays. Um, whereas Chiesa does not play the same way like Berardi. He he kind of attacks the ball and yep. is hoping that there's going to be a like so like, like a Marici. This example would be perfect for Chiesa because of his stature and his physicality and his size, where he can get crosses into the box. That's all Chiesa likes to play. Two different players, and, and I just think that if Berardi plays up front, it, it's a really big factor for La, for Immobile. They, I, I just see a different player when he when he scored that goal. So yeah. th- that's just, just me, though. Um, I propose we give uh, Morici and Chalanolo to Juventus. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, Hakan I, is so, we're going to go on to the next team, but I got my words for Hakan. Don't worry. I want to apologize, everybody. You see a steering wheel here. You know, Jerry and I are both F1 fans, and I just didn't feel like taking my steering wheel off my desk here, being lazy, didn't show up. Uh, but speaking of not showing up, uh, Milan hosting Cagliari, a game, you know, where a lot is on the line. Simple for Milan. They win, and they're in Champions League. All they had to do, uh, Cagliari, who uh, they had their fate uh, handed to them earlier in the day where uh, Crotone Simi scored a late goal to uh, secure Cagliari's position in Serie A next season. So they, really this game meant nothing for Cagliari other than they needed you know, just, just to win. Uh, and so Milan, three points, and they're in. Um, this game, uh, Jerry, I was – I mean, we talked about this right in the beginning of the, of the podcast – uh, utterly disappointing by them. Um, the lineups were okay for me with Milan. Um, you know, obviously you're going to see Donnarumma in, in goal. Uh, the back four you know, of Calabria, Chiar, Tomori, and uh, Teo, you know, fine with that. Uh, Benacer, Kessie, the whole group. I mean, I was fine with the whole lineup, but uh, the way they performed, there was no urgency to them at all. I thought Galeri, if any of those two teams, looked more like the Champions League team. You would have thought, if you're looking at who's who's the Champions League contender, you would have thought it would have been Galeri, not uh, Milan in this one. No, absolutely. And I, I was a Milan fan today because I hate Juventus. And I, and if anybody who's watching today, yes, I do have an agenda against Juve. Because I was asked that five times today at least, and I don't like Juve at all. Um, Surprised they keep asking you, and it's one time should be enough, right? Yeah, I like make sure. <laughs> Here's a few things I want to I want to just say off the record. Uh, Richard. Off the record, you know we're recording, right? Or not, not off the record. <laughs> sorry, my my apologies there. Um, just I just want to say some things. Firstly, I hate when people say that Napoli and Milan shouldn't be representing Serie A next season. Juventus would be better. They're 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 weak. They don't have depth. They're Milan's not good enough. I, throw that shit out the window, please. Because, firstly, what has Juventus done in the last three years in Champions League? So having having Milan or Napoli cannot be any worse than having Juventus for a four-streak season to fail under Ronaldo mm-hmm. once again. So let, let's just get that out of the way because I, I do believe that this Milan side were to finish top four, they would strengthen their squad and become a much stronger team in Serie A and one that people remember now and start to be more scared about. Um, on an Napoli note, I think they're probably one of the best teams in Serie A right now and would be a very difficult team to defeat in, in uh, Champions League. I, I just don't like that argument. It, it just upsets me all the time when I got to hear it. I think Pioli is taking a lot of heat and unnecessary heat. A lot of people forget that the first half of the season was very good by Milan. It's unfortunate of what had happened in the second half. And I think the downfall is that 
their success was two seasons combined, which didn't really help as much. Yeah, It would have been better had that second half of the season last year had been this year, and they'd be in a position right now for, for the Champions League spot. But Frank said a good point on, on Twitter. They are a much better team as the visitors. It, it's I, I didn't even think about that until he said that they're not going to be playing at home. Yeah, it's, it's like day and night where this team – which makes no is, sense. Why? How do you not play well at San Siro? It's beyond me. But he's absolutely right. Milan's been terrible at home, but on the road they've been a different animal. No, absolutely. I, I don't get it either. I, I guess it's it's a mindset thing. It's possible. Who knows? But it, when you put that into consideration, and and even the um, the Milan Weekly podcast guys even said this too, as well, along with Frank. And and I think there's a big advantage for Milan next weekend. As bad as of, of a result it was today, at the end of the day, Milan still holds their own destiny. And I think that's the most important thing. That's yeah. what you have to look at. That's the one thing as any football team would want is having the, having it on their own destiny, right? If you have to rely on some other results to get you in there, that's when you're like, uh, it's, that's terrible. You want to have it in your destiny. Now, granted, you know, if it was playing anybody else, I'd probably be more optimistic. But, you know, Atalanta is a team who's repeatedly – embarrassed Milan over the last you know three two three years um they got a manager who doesn't like Milan one bit uh you know he'll, he'll look to dance at any opportunity he can uh really rub Steve Polillo from Milan Weekly Podcast the wrong way uh but uh yeah it's just uh you know Atalanta is a dangerous team you know we were talking you were just talking about Champions League and you know what, what Juventus fans have been saying about you know Milan and Napoli really the only team who has has any merit to talk about in Champions League is Atalanta and their fans because they've been the best performing Serie A club in Champions League over the last you know three years or so. So you know any these rest of the teams, whoever it may be to be the next three teams in the Champions League, they all have to step up no matter what because what we've seen from every other Serie A club in the past three years has not been good enough. And Atalanta is the only one who's been going deep into the in the into the uh, Champions League. So um, you know this is a team that's scary home and away. Both I'm talking about Atalanta. Um, having the match in your destiny is absolutely a great thing. You, that's what that's what you want as a football club, you know. Up to them now to go for, but I still don't like the I don't like the matchup against Atalanta. Um, it just it scares me, and uh, you know they could have got it done today. And if they don't get it, they're gonna rue this this big three points they lost today, Jerry. Uh, but yeah, I'm... well, they play midweek as well. Don't forget they got the Copa Italia, so that 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 really kind of affects Juventus and uh, Atalanta. Yeah. I'm actually curious to see who starts in that game and, and if they who prioritizes it more. I would say Atalanta does because they have already earned their spot into the Champions League, whereas Juventus hasn't. So that can be a beneficial a benefit for, for Milan as yeah. well. Yeah, where, that's a good point. Like that's really huge. Um if I'm Pioli and you want to motivate your side? I just showed him. I showed them the Gasparini dance last year, and that's it. Show them that five nothing game. Yeah, that that's all you have to do is just show the dance. Yeah, you know how how that piece of shit. Sorry, it, freaking. I hate that guy. I hope Milan smacked him five nothing. If there's one guy that I hate, but I do respect for what he's accomplished with this side, it's it's Gasparini. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 a it's a mix hate like. You, sure. you respect him for what he's accomplished and how he's been able to turn that team around with yeah. such a small budget. I agree, but his attitude sucks. Like yeah. it's disgusting. Like I've never seen 
somebody so miserable. I remember a game against Cagliari when Maran was over there as manager, and Maran's team beat them, and he didn't want to shake his hand. He was really being a poor sport about this. I was like, oh, come on, dude. It's lost. Get over it, you know? But no, what he's done as in terms of being a manager with a small budget, like you said, it's been it's fantastic, no doubt about it. I mean, he's turned Atalanta from a small, small provincial club to one of the best your uh, best Italian teams and one of the best attractive European teams overall in terms of of pure skill. I mean, in terms of the Serie A brand, you probably look at Atalanta and Napoli as being the, the most aesthetically pleasing to watch from neutral perspective. So uh, you got to give absolutely credit to. Uh, Gasparini, but uh, yeah, you you mentioned that you know they have that midweek game against Juventus for the Coppa Italia final. Um, it's interesting. I do want to see the lineups because it could mean. I mean, Atalanta are deep. They are one of the deepest teams you know in Europe. It seems like they they have so many young players and they all play well. I feel like uh, Mal- Malinowski has like he's leading the league in assists or something crazy like that. And he, I feel like he doesn't even play every game. So uh, Muriel coming off the bench gets twenty goals. Uh, but uh, what, what what does Juventus do? Do they bring out a star lineup and go for a title, or do they sit it sit it out and go for the Champions League? I, I think they're going to go for the Champions League and let Atalanta get the get the uh, Coppa Italia. But then you know people are saying, oh maybe Atalanta are going to lay down and let Juve win the title. I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't see that. I don't see Atalanta laying it down for anybody. They're just who they are and they want to beat everybody. That's just my opinion, though. I don't know Juve's DNA is not to lose, so I I just don't see them going into the Coppa Italia final, not thinking to to win. That's just me. Um, I expect Ronaldo to play 100%. That's just Ronaldo. Um, maybe DiBala starts maybe finally, and on Sunday you see Marata play up front. Hmm. That's a possibility. Um, because Dybala didn't play yesterday, so that's probably... Yeah. I didn't even think about why he didn't play in the first place, and then maybe they, they, they saved him for Wednesday. So that's that's another option. Yeah, it's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see that matchup. Uh, one, for the lineups for both teams, because uh, it, it matters a lot going into Sunday. Uh, but also... Uh, how they perform and what kind of game we're going to see. Is it going to be a, are we going to see the teams playing to their potential? Like Atalanta, we know they're a high tempo, love to score goals. Are they going to sit back and be conservative? We've seen that at times too in big games for them. Uh, not in Serie A necessarily, but more like in Champions League where they're too conservative and not really playing Atalanta style that we're used to. And so that could throw things into mix. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, if, if Juve win, they may get confidence going into their last game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still all to play for in the Champions League spots. Um, one of the spots that is uh, one spot left in a relegation fight as well, even though technically Benevento are more than likely going to get it. Um, Crotone and Parma are out. Uh, but the big game today was uh, uh, Benevento and Crotone. Benevento were minutes away from Jerry from moving on. Uh, Lapadula, I mean, Benevento missed many opportunities out of the game. They should have scored three, four goals in that game. They, they missed their opportunities. And uh, Saimi, late in the game, 89th minute, gets a goal, 1-1. You see, the, you see what it meant to the players. They all fell down for Benevento and upset and anger. Um, so now, huge game next week against Torino, uh, where, you know, had they won that game, they could have they held destiny in their own hands. They beat Torino, they're in. And they say in City, yeah. But now, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the numbers are. And if someone's in the chat knows, or Jerry, if you know, please tell me. But uh, I know right now it's, what, 32 to 35 so if, if Benevento win, they'll be tied on points, but I don't know what the tiebreaker is. I don't know who has the tiebreaker between Torino and Benevento. I'm curious on, on who's that. Um, but, uh, yeah, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that, that game going into next week? It's with everything that's happened in the relegation between Benevento, uh, Benevento-Torino, are you going to be watching that game? I know I will. 
Um, depending what time it is. Oh, that's a uh, point. <laughs> that, that, depending what time it is, because there's going to be at least five games possibly. At, Aren't they all playing at the same time next year? Or, is that, or am I making that up? No, they normally just... The most... The impactful games, say Napoli, Milan... Yeah. Um, they'll play the same. Napoli, time. Milan, Juventus. And I also think that Roma and Sassuolo as well will play at the same time. But um, no, not, not all games are at the same time. Not, even last season was this case where the, the non-meaningful games will be played at 9 o'clock and the, the impactful games will be played at 2.45. Yeah. That, that's how it's going to be. I also think that Sassuolo and Roma will be played at 2.45 because the Conference League final spot. So I, I'm not even sure. All, all at 10 o'clock? Hmm, interesting. Oh. I'm curious. I'm actually curious too. I, I haven't seen I, my 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 guess is going to be two forty five. That's me. Okay. I I don't see ten o'clock, but I could be wrong. But um, yeah, with Crotone, the, what what has to happen now? Nima told me today, and it's a really long shot. First off, Lazio has to win versus Torino on Tuesday. Okay, that's the yeah. first. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then against between Torino and Crotone, sorry, Torino and Benevento. Benevento has to win now at all costs. Whereas a tie for Torino gets him in and that's it. Yep. That that's that's the likelihood for Benevento now. All right. Well that's uh that's a big tall ask. And you know, you got first you gotta see what happens on Tuesday with Lazio and uh and Torino, and then if, if Lazio should win that game, then all eyes are going to be on that game, big game uh, next weekend to wrap it all up. Um I'm seriously gonna watch. I mean I love to I love when we had the the old uh uh, the old uh, multi-culture when you had all the games going on at one time and you can switch between the games but uh i guess we'll have to use many monitors or different devices to watch all the games with espn plus at least here in the states i don't know about you what do you got dazen over in canada we got dazen we got uh tln yeah those are our, our main options i also have football tv to catch la liga oh, right on. okay league on. so yeah anybody in here who prefers to watch another league for extra football i do suggest league on it's not a farmer's league by the way it's actually a decent league it is is good you'll be surprised what you would catch from the the french league absolutely no absolutely uh david asked in the chat uh who signs simi next year with crotone getting relegated somebody needs to he's 20 goal scorer someone he's gonna fit somewhere frank and i you know talked about where we thought he could fit in fit in well uh where do you where do you see simi fitting in uh next year so the Laziale actually reported that they're interested in citing Simi. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I read I read that today. But there are there's a lot of competition because a lot of English teams are actually interested in him. So keep him in the league, it, man. It, it it won't be easy for Lazio, especially sure. that they didn't they didn't make Champions League. But then again, you saw Marici. Who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> the funds come back, and and you could probably sign him. I think he's a good backup. As a starter, I don't think so personally for me, but maybe other people would think differently. Depends. Yeah, depends what team he goes to. I mean, if he goes to a top six team or something like that, uh, I don't see him starting. I see him coming off the bench. Most of these teams have too many. They already have established strikers, and he'd be a good complement to though. But if he goes to a mid-table team, um, yeah, I don't see why why he couldn't start for those teams. So yeah, it just depends where where he goes, and if he goes to somewhere like Lazio, you would imagine he'd be a sub, uh, 
or, or for, for at the minimum rotation player. But yeah, that's a, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Hopefully, he stays in the league. I mean, he's been he's been with the in, in the on the peninsula for several years now. Came up with Cortone the first time in Serie A, and then now he's still with them. So. Yeah, it's uh be interesting there. And look, hey, George is in the house. He says thanks for a shout out and let legal. What's up, George? <laughs> always, George. Always. I I've been watching Legon for what two three years. My friends always crap on me for watching it, and they they think it's a butcher league. I don't believe That's it. It's a good league. It's a good league. When you think about how many players came from Legon to Serie A, um, Liao. Those are just two players that automatically always come to your mind. Um, I'm pretty sure there's Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Yeah, many others. Yes, yes. Koulibaly's uh, history of how he became so predominant is actually interesting. How his manager, his first manager, never actually believed in him. But that's just a side story. Yeah. And the greatest player, of course, of Jeremy Menez. No, I'm just kidding you. He's terrible. Um, anyway, anyway. Uh, real, we're going to go real quick through the rest of the scores and then move on. Uh, Genoa putting up a fight against Atalanta. Uh, Atalanta went 4-3 goals from Zapata, Malinovsky, Gossens, and Pasilic. Um, Eldor gave him a heart attack with two goals and Pandev with a penalty. Uh, but Atalanta did get all three points there. Spezia won 4-1 against Torino. Uh, Saponara and Zola twice and Ehrlich. Uh, get the goals for Spezia. Belotti get a penalty in the 54th. Um, also, Fiorentina, you know, they lost to Napoli. Napoli with a uh, big win. Obviously, they're they're doing what they need to do in the Champions League. They're all they're they're pretty much guaranteed into the Champions League now. Just the way they're playing and form alone, uh, they deserve it. Uh, goals from Insigne in the 56th, and then Venuti an own goal uh, from uh, Fiorentina. Two nothing Napoli win. We mentioned Benevento Crotone one one there. Udinese lost to Sampdoria. Qualiarella in the 88th minute, a penalty goal, uh, one nothing there. And then Sassuolo uh, won on the road against Parma. No surprise, Parma losing again. Uh, goals from Locatelli, uh, Defrel, and Boga. Uh, Alves got a consolation goal in the 32nd minute, but uh, to no avail. And there's a game tomorrow, Verona against Bologna. Both teams really are on holiday. They can't uh, get relegated or anything, so... Uh, well, let's skip that match. So, Jerry, um, anything else from these games that, that stood out to you? It's actually the Milan game, not even the Lazio game. I don't care about the Lazio game, and I don't give a shit about Juve. Um, <laughs> it, it's just the Milan game. And Hakan, say goodbye. Le- let him leave. That's the first thing I got to say. This guy is such an inconsistent player that it makes me want to pull my hair out, whatever I have You left. don't think he's worth 7.5 million years, um, euros a year? <laughs> I, I will constantly tweet out Luis Alberto is greater than Hakan because I've seen so many people oh, no doubt. call out that Hakan is better than Alberto. If you can prove to me that Hakan is a better player than Alberto, then go ahead and sign him for a, a, a good fee. Not $7.5 million, but... Numbers-wise, maybe last year. Maybe last year numbers-wise. And that's even... Eh. I mean, Hakan had a really great year last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Luis Alberto is... I'd rather have Luis Alberto. Uh, at least he shows up in the big games. Um, Hakan, I don't see... I don't see him them paying him what he wants. Uh, he Every time we have a big game or anything big, he just hides and doesn't doesn't perform. And it's really disappointing, too. And I think, I'll tell you what... Um, if, if Pioli doesn't get that Champions League spot, uh, he's going to be gone too. Um, as much as I like the guy, you're in first place in, as the winner of Champions uh, and then don't make it to Champions League. That's 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 utterly disappointing. So hopefully he gets the win against Atalanta. What we do have on our side, someone tweeted out, and I apologize if I don't remember who tweeted it, but uh, someone said uh, Pioli did beat Gasparini not too long ago, 7-1 to when he was with Inter. So uh, 
Or maybe maybe another masterclass is coming from Pioli against Gasparini. We'll see. <laughs> and I also think that Teo Hernandez should have came out today. Um, he really yeah. he really disrupted the flow of the game. In my that's just how I see it. This guy is really frustrating to watch. I didn't see one attack by him. Usually he's marauding down the left hand side. I didn't see one time in this game where he did that. It was very. Uh, negative play, I would say. And defensively, he was just poor. I mean, luckily, Tamori and Kessie were out there to kind of cover up for him. But, uh, yeah, it was not a good game for him. Uh, just when you have that kind of character, it sends a bad vibe to your team. It's The morale is just not good for him. And it's been on a consistent basis where when it's not going his way, he brings the team down with him, in my opinion. Who are, And I don't want to shit on, on all Milan players because they weren't all bad i think that as much as the score indicates differently i thought calabria was really good today yeah. i thought he was fantastic and he he deserves a spot with italy in the summer that's just me i, I really do believe that this guy that changed his game 100 has been one of the best fullbacks in in Serie a. like consistent he he was huge today um i thought samu castillejo should have done better with his chances, but as much as he's taken a lot of heat from a lot of Milan fans, I thought he was really one of the positive signs coming off the bench. He really made an impact. Leao as well, I thought. Leao was yes. very, very important when he came in, but uh, still, to no avail. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with all that. I agree with that for sure. And I think uh, Maldini needs to take one on one training with Teo Hernandez, Teo Hernandez this uh, summer. and Teach him the finer things of defensive work, and then also maybe how to how to act as a professional. I think out there sometimes uh, was very disappointed in him, and I think uh, to add more fire to my Pioli comments, uh, you know what he his comments after the game were not kind of uh, what I'd like to see or any Milanese would like to see is where he was just saying like, oh, top four wasn't really our goal. You know, it's not going to be a failure if we don't get it. It's like, uh, we're not a mid table team, buddy. This is a team that has higher aspirations in you know Fiorentina or somewhere else. Not no disrespect to them. So anyway. Anyway, oh, what about what about Alessio Romagnoli maybe coming in? Would you think that would have made an impact because of his his size and his physicality? Maybe that was kind of what was missing inside the goal area where he could win challenges. I'm I'm just saying, like maybe that could have been. I I just thought about it right now, and I also thought that Mandzukic came in way too late, yeah. way way too late. I was waiting for that guy to come in 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No, I, I think Romagnoli, many people want to see him move on. And I don't know if he is comfortable in the position that he's in. I mean, Tamari has earned his starter position, and Kiara is just a freaking rock. Um, but I think you need the three of them. And, 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 and if you want to be a successful team in, in Serie A and then on the European front, you need to have depth. And, you know, having a guy, having to have three quality center backs there is important for Milan. And, uh, you know, if they can find a way for him to stay, because I think he should. Um, he just has to know that maybe it's going to be a rotation basis and whoever's hot plays, because uh, at the moment Kiara and, and Tomori are, the, are are playing the best. But Romagnoli, Capitano, he needs to stay, uh, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. I don't know if he'll he'll want that. Uh, I see Jorge uh, George is saying uh, side note with Milan: Do they miss Paqueta? Yes or no? Uh, he has two goals today and seven plus this season. Uh, I don't think they do. I mean, no. Him and Piantic, they both do well where they're at now, but I just, you know, some people just can't cut it in Serie A, and unfortunately, I don't think Paqueta either got the opportunity to, or he just didn't do, he didn't perform Piantic as well. So, 
as much as I like, I like, I like, I really like Paqueta and Piantec. I don't think uh, either of them were cut, cut, you know, cut the rug for Milan, unfortunately. I agree. Uh, Piantec, I, I didn't like him, period. I just think he was a plug. I think he just had one good season with Genoa and kind of really underachieved with Milan. Just couldn't cut it with a bigger club. Whereas Paquita, I think the expectations kind of wore on him and yeah. a lot was expected from him and he just kind of didn't deliver. Didn't they call him like the next Kaka or something like that? They call him something. Something like that. On, on a side note, after this whole performance today, you give Donnarumma whatever he wants. Absolutely. That 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 that's the main factor. Co-owner of the team, whatever you want, give him give him everything. He bailed out as much as you said. Kier has been a rock. He was not great today. Correct. And on two separate occasions, Donnarumma bailed him out. Donnarumma was man of the match, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. You don't even get that point if it's not for him. Exactly. He made two well timed saves, and in. in, in and the announcer said it perfect. Even if it wasn't spectacular, it was just his positioning of where he was. And he's the best goalkeeper in City, uh, hands down. Like that save no... of Bavaletti was was like you said, yeah. positioning. You know, he closed his legs. He was right where he's supposed to be. And then had another save where he got down low on. Um, I forget who the other one was, but yeah, uh, no, nah, he's been he's been he earned he he deserves whatever money he wants. Hakan, on the other hand, I don't think so. He can walk, for in my opinion. But it's the the issue here is just these agent fees. That's what causes the biggest issue. That's yeah. that's what makes these contracts more ridiculous than what they really are. Sure. It's it's yeah. There's twelve million dollars he wants. But did, of that twelve million, how much goes to his agent? I think that's what we we always forget. Well, we always heard about you know Raiola, what he got from uh, after Pogba got that huge deal. Uh, he ended up being like a villa in, in in Italy. So I mean, yeah, they get he, they get a lot of money. I mean, and this guy is a super agent. He has all the biggest clients too. So he's gonna get what he what he wants and. Uh, Hopefully the Roma sticks his guns. If he really wants to stay at Milan, he needs to step up and say and say like, hey, "You need to figure it out." But I'm I'm staying here. So, um, yeah. would you be upset if he left? I, I personally, as a Milan fan, wouldn't, and I'll say why. Okay, he's earned he's earned his right to say I can go somewhere else. Like if he wants Champions League, I guess. Especially if Milan don't make it this year, next year, yeah. Like these players see the future too, and and if they don't make Champions League, it could be another difficult season where they may have to sell players instead of buying players we don't know what what the situation can be like yeah. and these guys in the dressing room are are told what the situation probably is or in the in the room whatever it may be so somebody's ears must be burning because we're talking about milan and someone's infiltrating our our chat before i bring him in uh i want to say my comments on, on your question there um if he leaves for a rival in city a Juventus, Inter, something like that. Yes, I'm gonna be furious uh, if he leaves for another club, especially if we don't make Champions League. I'm not gonna be upset. He deservedly earns mm. that right. They're obviously Milan are looking to Manian, Manian from um I forgot what, t- what club he is for uh, and and um, Ligon from Lille, right? So they very got good he's a very good goalkeeper, and so uh, you know they have someone they have someone planned just in case he goes. But if he goes to Juve or or Inter, I'd be furious. And on that note, let me, speaking of furious, I'm going to bring in a guy who's always furious, it seems like, uh, Frank Cravello. What's up, Frank? Hey. I thought, I'd, I, thought I would uh, crash the party tonight. You heard Milan, and you just jump right in. Look at that. I like it. Oh, I just, I was, uh, I was listening to you guys for a while here, and uh, I figured, all right, I got I, I to gotta bring some normalcy to what's going on here. <laughs> so, no. Please do. I got to bring some Please positive do. vibes. Listen, first of all, the Milan calorie game, I mean, 
Milan were gassed. Let's just start there. Um, I mean, and I, I even made the comment. I said it on Twitter. I said they shot their load, beating Juve and blowing away Torino. And now you get a Cagliari team. I mean, would we have all been happy as Milan fans to see Cagliari say, hey, you know, you're safe. Go spend a couple hours at the bars, get smashed. We'll see you at the San Siro. Yeah, we would have been happy with that. But they played determined. They played as if they still had something to play for. Um, I like what Stuart Robson had to say about them on the broadcast, saying that, look, I don't think they're happy with where they are because they're too good for it. Um, and they wanted to prove that. Diego Godin was Atletico Madrid Diego Godin today. I mean, just balled out, had that team organized, and had them play, had them defending brilliantly. Um, and you wonder, and it just makes you wonder, where was that all season long? And, of course, as Milan fans, we, we had to put up with it. Um, you know, I mean, it was a, a lot of possession for Milan, but it just it, it lacked the final ball. Um, it just lacked the final ball every time. You just you were looking for it each time. And then when it was there, an extra touch was taken that didn't need to be taken. I think there, there was one late in the second half where Teo was played in and said, just have it, young man, have it. And, and in most situations, it's almost like they were gun shy, like they didn't want the responsibility at times either, too. So, you know, so I, it's a combination of things. I thought, you know, I, I thought through the first two thirds, Milan were fine. It's when they got to that final third when Cagliari really bunkered down and, and got organized. And a lot of that had to do with Godin between his own individual defending and between organizing everything else. I think that created all of the problems. And you don't have, you know, the, the guys that can unlock, you know, you don't have an Ibrahimovic who can occupy some people to help open some space for other people. And that's where an Ibrahimovic was missed. Um, I think that Brahim Diaz just got tired. Um, I think that Salamakers got tired. I think, you know, as much as everybody groaned about Leao and, and Castellejo coming on, I, I Pioli had to they do it. They were the two best players offensively. Yeah, Pioli had to do it out of necessity. They were tired. Um, you know, so. Well, there, there's that chance where he should have had the ball in. Uh, Castillejo instead yeah. of kicking it. That was the chance yeah. where they should have scored, I thought. Yeah. That's the one chance where it was placed to him on a platter. And, and again, players trying to do more than what they're supposed to. Yeah. That that's that's the issue here. Yeah. I mean I you I mean I, I, as much as we want to sit here and moan and groan about Milan's performance, I think you have to give an absolute ton of credit to Calidy for the way they played. And for the way they performed. And honestly, Caledi should have won the game had it not been for Donnarumma. Made a brilliant save on Pavoletti and probably made the save of the season um, just minutes after that. I can't remember um, who had yeah, the, remember who who was, the ball. Yeah. Man of the match for me, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He kept him in. I mean, I, I Godin's my man of the match. Um, but, I mean, if you want just to just leave it exclusively exclusively to the Milan players, then yeah, absolutely. It was, it was Donnarumma. You were saying war was this Cagliari all season. I think, and I think you've alluded this too many times. First off, Di Francesco being the manager of Cagliari was the biggest issue. He he killed Santoria last year, and he killed Cagliari this year. Yeah. Hanging hanging on to him was the biggest issue. Bringing in Semplici, where I actually said this on Twitter, was the right decision. A lot of people thought it was no better. We forget this guy really did a good job with Spal yeah. and taking them up, I believe, from City of Chi to City yeah. A. Yep. Like, so this is not just some guy who is. This is the perfect mid-table team 
manager that comes in and can get the best out of a mid-table team. That's what they did here finally. Yeah. The problem was that it was a little too little too late to to get them higher than where they are, but it was in time to save their season, mm-hmm. if you get what I'm trying to say. The, since he's arrived, you, you can no one can say that they, they haven't been much better under him. Yeah. I think this is day and night with this team where they play more confident. And I think the biggest thing is they have an identity. That's the biggest issue that they were lacking at the beginning of the year where they just didn't know what they were doing. They lost to a Lazio side, I remember earlier in the year, one nothing, and it was just lackluster against Simone Inzaghi where he just picked he picked them apart. Yeah. What was just too easy. With Semplici, he really came with a plan today, and he made it difficult for Pioli. Organized. Wonderful. Yeah, like that's that's where this Cali side was. And this game really reminded me a lot of the four nothing the three nothing loss versus uh lots well and the other it really did and a lot of similarity you know to follow up on your point Jerry I think the other thing that really hurt and because I said I think Sampdoria was a dis- different beast because he was given square pegs to put in round holes for the system that he likes to play. I think he had a four three he likes to play four three three and I think his his three when he was starting off were three out and out strikers. I want to say it was like uh, Quagliarella, Gabbiadini, and Caprari, or something something like that. And yeah, Gabbiadini yeah, was playing was. off to the right, and it's just like, yeah. you know. So I don't think he was given the hand that he needed to be successful at Sampdoria. He was given the hand in the personnel to have a chance at Cagliari, and it did. His message just didn't get across. So that's where, yeah, I I certainly think there there was a regression with them. You know, the other thing that Simplici did that separated him from Di Francesco, Simplici said, um, I don't care who your dad is, uh, Cholito. You're not good enough right now. You're not playing. I'm giving Pavoletti a shot. Okay. Um, It was time to take the toy away from him. Di Francesco just couldn't do it. And I think that that was also part of his downfall. A guy who just lacked confidence at every turn. And, just, and now you see Gio Pedro and Pavoletti. They're cut. They're they know. Yeah. They, they they play so well together. They they can find each other all the time. They did it several times in this game as well. So I mean, yeah, yeah about time. Yeah. I'm actually. That's actually a good point. You say that, and that's a good show, Frank. Seriously, because a lot of people forget that Pavoletti took a season off, I believe, last year after a serious injury, and this is a guy prior to his injury who provided a lot to Coyote and has the ability to score goals. So he was really good today. And he had one quality chance, I believe, that, like you said earlier, where he almost scored. Like, you're right. And going with uh, Simeone for so long, and, and he just didn't provide anything in the final third, was the, a good decision by Semplici. Right. And, you know, I'll tell you this. I think that Pavoletti is the perfect strike. We look at look at everybody around him. you got Joao Pedro who can play off of him. you got Lico Janus who can provide service. you got, you know, whoever they use at the right wing-back position that can provide service. Marin... Uh, on his on his set pieces and then just early balls in from the middle you know you don't need a semi you know what what the characteristics of Pavoletti is a much much better fit for this calorie outfit than 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 Simeone is in my opinion so but I mean it was a Godin master class and everybody else it rubbed off on everybody else um you know and and calorie should be applauded as much as Milan Twitter right now I am trying to say, hey, stay with me on this, guys. We still control our destiny. And, Jerry, you you highlighted my point earlier. 
We go to Atalanta. It's an away match. Milan have been very good away this season. They've pulled rabbits out of their hat. We're going to get an Atalanta team on their uh, fifth game in the space of 17 days, okay, where Milan are going to get an entire week off to rest, to regroup, and get ready for this game. They were gassed today. It was, a, it was going to be a lot to ask to come anywhere close to replicating the performance of what they had against Torino. I had no delusions that they were going to go in and win 7-0 again, and I hope most of Milan Twitter didn't either. Um, so, it would have been nice to see, but... Oh, yeah, know. shit. I would be, I'd be, you know, I wouldn't be having water right now. Um, so, yeah, and, and I, I probably wouldn't have jumped on with you guys. I would have been in the bag already between this and my niece's first <laughs> communion. So... Um, but that's, you know, that's the reality. I mean, you're not out of it. Don't give, I mean, my message to me on Twitter, and I'm going to keep telling them, don't give up. There's one game left. We control our destiny. We just have to win. And I don't care how we do it. We just have to win. You could very yes. well see Gasparini completely shoot his load trying to win this trophy on Wednesday against Juventus and playing his best players and seeing Zapata and Muriel with Ilicic. And then on Sunday, we get Lammers. Okay, we get and, and then we get some of these other guys. All right, we're pretty so good. So yeah, yeah, Lammers is still pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, Moranchik too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moranchik. Yeah, and some they're of deep. Other guys, they're but, very deep. But guys that don't have a sample size of playing together. Sure. So hang in I, there. I just hope that hang in there. It's not lost. We're not we're not depending on anybody else. It's on us. It's on Milan. Go and get the job done. Go and get the three points. And. You know, we just got to wait. You know, it's still there. We just got to wait a little longer. It's what it is. I just hope that for Milan's sake, they don't show up like a Lazio side last Saturday against Fiorentina, where mm, so much was yeah. still at stake, and yeah. and no one expected Fiorentina to all of a sudden just come out with like play play like a top four team and just stick it right to Lazio. Yep. That's where I I kind of get concerned a little bit with Milan, where they, 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 you're right. They, like Lazio, they had the week off, showing good form. I still think Milan's in good form at the moment, mm-hmm. regardless of what the result was today. Because you did, yeah, you haven't lost in the past three, four, or five matches. Yeah. So that's that's really important. But I just hope they come in with the right mindset and ready to go. That that's that's up. That's it, the, this whole game is on Pioli now. Yep. However, Pioli decides to go, he has to get it right, or else. He'll be he'll be pegged as a, a failure for for a long time. That that's what I see it as, and that's how Richard said it before. As much as he did, it, I, I I credit him for what he's done the first half of the season. I think he's done a decent job in the second half. Hasn't been great. Hasn't been all bad. But now is the time where do you? This is where he proves. Do I get that shot to stay long term with Milan and the project works, or? Does it fail next Sunday and say, shit, we're going back again and we got to go with a new manager and a new freaking direction again. And then Milan's, Milan's future is in the balance yeah. next Sunday. I, I, I guess that's that's how you can put sure. it. Sure. Sure. Good point. Yep. Good I point. mean, you be, or or it could just be on hold for a little, for, for, for another season, you know, and then, you know, Elliot mm-hmm. continues to get creative with how this team is shaped with the help of guys like Maldini in the back room to, to, to get it recruited and to have it positioned to, to try and go and chase this thing again next year. So, um, you know, so, so it's what it is. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to sign off and, and let you guys continue to have at it, but I did want to give my take on the Juventus inter game. 
Um, I don't want to get into Calvarese. It's only going to make my, it's only going to raise my blood pressure. Um, I think, you know, I, nothing needs to be said. It was a complete horror show. Here's what angers me. And it's leading, leading voices, English speaking voices uh, of, of Calcio here on this side of the pond who have the balls to tweet that the refereeing went always fine. It probably did. But to sit there and say that your team was hungrier than the other team. Bullshit. Bullshit. If, if Juve was hungrier than Inter, then Conte wouldn't have ran out his best 11. Okay? And Conte's 11 played hard. Okay? That game was chippy. There's 10 yellow cards for a reason, and it wasn't all descent. That, that game was intense for 90-plus minutes, and both teams wanted it. It is one of my biggest pet peeves of all time. My team wanted it more than your team. That is a lazy take. It's an atrocious take. Okay? That has, and it had nothing to do with how Juventus won the game. Okay? Juventus won the game. Listen, Inter had to get their goals, their penalty and their goal, VAR checked. All right? And approved. Had to. All right? And everybody sat there and talked about the penalty against Latara Martinez. I got news for you, boys and girls. That's a penalty. All right? Yeah. That is a stonewall penalty. Thing. If you lunge and you catch his foot, whether you meant to do it or not, that is a penalty. Stop yep. deluding yourself into believing that it's not. Okay? And then we have to go to VAR because Calvarese is too blind to see Chiellini tackling Lukaku to the ground and the ball hits off of Chiellini's ass and goes in. All right? I mean, it, did we got to go to VAR for that. I mean, this was just and, – and Inter were battling. They were trying to win the game, and then Perisic gets a penalty called against them for doing absolutely nothing wrong. What else is he supposed to do there? All right? So don't sit there and say that Juventus won this game because they were hungrier and that they wanted it more. That's bullshit. All right? And I'm getting sick and tired of guys who lead vocally and thousands of followers. <laughs> you know, you, you, you basically, that is your message and that is going to be your take. You are sending thousands of followers down the wrong path. It was a terrible take. I was disgusted with it. I flat out retweeted and called it atrocious. I'm not going to say his name. I think you guys can take a guess at who it was. All right. But it had nothing to do with who wanted it more. All right. It had everything to do with Juventus got out of there. Very, very lucky to get the three points that on another day, that's, that's a draw. Okay. And with a referee that has half a brain, that's a draw. And around. Yeah. I'm not sure who you're referring to. <laughs> Poor Alex Donald's not here to defend himself. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it was Donald, to be honest. We'll, f- we'll figure it out after after the podcast. I told you guys. But, I, um, I told you in the private chat. I'm just not going to say it here on the podcast. Yeah, but, but if he makes but, another stupid take like that again, then I am going to call him out. But here's here's the thing, okay? And and I called them out today, and I and I put a picture of how. Kalini was taken down in the box. And then you see Biragi have a whole fist on Osimen. And I said, Calvarese only has one agenda, right? Help Juve and not Napoli. And then the second one that had to go to VAR, and, I, and it was, um, I forgot whose arm was being held down in, in the box. And they had to, they give they gave Napoli a penalty. But I hate this, this freaking notion where, oh, they were both holding each other. And I forgot who it was, which Napoli player it was. Maybe you guys remember. When Zelensky got the when they're holding Zelensky? Yeah, I think it's Zelensky and he yeah, falls to the ground. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. you know who the referee was for that game? Abiso, who has the highest 
yellow card average per per game of all of these referees. Over five and a half yellow cards a game. You don't think you don't think somebody was trying to set something up? I, I just think that it, I hate this. Well, they're all holding each other. You see Zelinski's arm is there's a full grip on him and it's going down to the ground. It's a penalty. Yeah. And the first one should have been a penalty too. I, I, I don't like when a player in the box is being held with a hand on him. I, it's not given. It's given. It's not given in a lot of games. I think the consistency is that you have to give that as a penalty because you're obstructing a player's ability to to win the ball. You know what I mean? 99% of the time inside the midfield, outside outside the box, it's always given. Why is it different inside the box? It, it drives me nuts. Yeah. There's got to be consistency. If you're holding someone like this, it doesn't matter. You're you're. It's happened to Cherby. I remember Cherby got a, a call like that this year where he's holding a player on the shirt. Like it, it's. And I agree with it. It's if you as a defender, I know that you don't have a lot of freedom, but you need to learn how to body yourself. And if you can't, it, look at Kalini on that second goal where, you, like you said, it went to VAR and, and Inter scored with the own goal on him. Mm-hmm. And he and he had to hold him on on, on good. He had good body positioning, but he still holds Lukaku for no reason. And then he gives the own goal that could have all been avoided by him if he just manned up and played right instead of holding him like these are defenders that are just not properly positioning themselves and they are in a good position to defend well it just blows my mind like i i i just don't agree with if you if you give two hands on a on a a player and you're holding him down it's a penalty that's there's no ifs ands and buts that's just the end of the day like all right well i'm gonna turn you guys loose you guys you guys are doing amazing uh keep it up uh, I just wanted to come in and give the Milan give the Milan perspective from my end, and also give a little rant on the Juve enter. So, <laughs> thank you, thanks, Frank. All right, have at it. I'll be, See you next week. I'll be on next week, yeah. everybody. All right, See you, man. Go Bucks. Oh, go Bucks. <laughs> oh man. Well, since Frank was here and he brought us all down with his anger, no, I'm just kidding. Now he has good points. He has good points. But let's 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 make it more uh, lighthearted now, Jerry. Let's uh, let's go to uh, America's favorite hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Are you ready for this, Jerry? Yes, sir. You're going to be ready with it, whether you're ready or not. All right. Uh, all right. Can you see my screen here? So going with the first one, this one comes from uh, Las Vegas Atalanta Supporters Group. It says, uh, being a mister is like fine wine. Gets better with age, unless you start out with shit grapes. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good there. All right, moving on. This one comes in from Art Morelli. He says, uh, nine goals in two games in Piavonte. Credit to club legend Andrea Pirlo for turning AC Milano's season around. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's actually a good one there. All right. This one's nominated by Ferrigno. This is from Stefchenko. It says, uh, does the winner get the get his month's salary? And this is uh, Martinez versus Conte in a boxing match. Uh, Inter having fun. They obviously won the Scudetto, and so they can do what they want with their practice. But uh, that's a funny take there. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Frank said, uh, Inter preparing for the Derby d'Italia with a boxing match between Conte and Lartoto. Uh, and having a barbecue. That's who won Couch Twitter by itself there. All right, next one uh, comes from uh, Milan Weekly Podcast and nominating. Uh, uh, this is from Gab Tassioni. Uh, and it's basically a press conference with... Uh, 
um, Comiso going off on the journalists, uh, talking about they talk about fake news and disrespecting him. And I mean, he goes on his rant. You need to you need to listen to this rant, uh, Jerry. Did you get a chance to see this rant yet? Yeah, I actually saw it, man. I gave him full respect for that. Actually. Yeah, I do too. I do too. They can call him like a gangster and stuff. And, that, and that. big ups to him for uh, for coming out and doing that. So, <laughs> all right, this one comes from us from Christian, and uh, uh, let's make a play here. <laughs> oh, Tancredi again in with, in with this one. Uh, that's funny right there, Christian. Uh, it's at Von Stranino uh, with the uh, with the tweet there. So uh, <laughs> this next one comes from uh, J Club. It's uh, at Black Gianni. He says uh, Juventus looking for teams to sell Ronaldo to, and everyone's going away. <laughs> Running around, can't find anybody. <laughs> I think we got a leader in the clubhouse right here. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. All right, this next one comes from at uh, Zoe underscore G E K S. It says, Can't believe Liao owes me 10000 <laughs> So on his shirt, it says, If you waste my time, it's going to be $150 an hour. So she says, You can't believe you owe me $10,000. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. This this was uh, from from Tancredi himself. He says, uh, "Come Antonio Conte enter Nello Juventus Stadium." So how Antonio Conte enters Juventus Stadium and it's fire starter <laughs> oh, with the face oh, up. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's funny. He's a character. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, Juventus chiming in here. It's uh, uh, at the Juventini. Says Juventini, uh, what do you mean Morata instead of DiBala? Pirlo, fine. No strikers for you. <laughs> Uh, Pirlo does what he wants. Eh, it works sometimes, and most times it doesn't. All right. At finally, Case says, uh, "I make memes." Says me explaining all the possible outcomes of getting the top four to random strangers on the bus. That's <laughs> 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 uh, everything I need to right now. Okay. This one comes in from at finally Haji says, "If Inter wins, Milan finishes top four. If they draw or lose, I can step head. Ten likes with Juventus away isn't for everyone. Nice. <laughs> All right, not bad, not bad there. All right, someone nominated Frank and says, uh, "All of Calcio Twitter is vulnerable to getting a yellow card from Calvarese at this point." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was giving it to everybody at this one at this point. All right, Art Morelli back in this. He says, uh, the CDC is recommending that fully vaccinated persons still wear a mask and practice social distancing around Juventini. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was going with that one. That's funny. <laughs> That's good. That, that was, was really good. good. Uh, Jerry, you get into the act here. says, Lazio is back where they belong. Europe's most prestigious tournament in the Europa League. They return after one season and are back in the rightful place. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Frank nominating Adam Digby. He says, uh, I would offer some post-mass analysis on Juve Inter, but when I reached for my phone to tweet, this guy ran in, booked me, and awarded a penalty. <laughs> oh, okay, let's see. Rafa Rispo brings uh, Joe Fischetti gets a nomination here. says, uh, absolutely shocked that Fiorentina hasn't been awarded a penalty yet for tomorrow's match. This was tweeted the day before the match. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rafa at it again. It says, uh, this is from Art Morelli again. <laughs> so Martino says, uh, you're not a fan of the prices, right? And Art says, uh, <laughs> there you go. Now you <laughs> Art is on fire tonight, man. Oh, man. All right, let's see here. Okay. 
Uh, this comes from Don Tico Interlover. So the original tweet was, uh, this man really ended Milan's 27-game unbeaten run and Inter's 20-game unbeaten run. And then, so Don Tico says, uh, and Juventus' nine-year unbeaten winning Scudetto run as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, good. right. And I think there's one more, two more, it looks like. Okay. Uh, at Rosso Magnoli says, uh, when I die, I want these Milan players to lower me in the grave so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> uh and then the last one tonight, <laughs> Derby della Capitale, <laughs> Jekyll holding a chair for me. That's good. That's that good. That's this my winner good. there. That's my winner right there, Jerry. I don't know about you. That's so good. I'm At sorry, Super man. 45. <laughs> Who's this guy? I don't know. That's the first time we're here, but uh, that's a great first tweet there. Oh wow, that I oh my god, that is the winner for oh. me, folks. Uh, I think that's I think that's the unanimous winner there, huh, Jerry? Yeah, I it, I don't even care if it's wrong. <laughs> it's I like banter like that. It's so good, man. Yeah, that uh, is awesome. That is that's great right there, right there. So at Subaru forty five, you are this week's winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter, and we are getting near the end of the season here, so we are going to have tweet of the season. Maybe have some guests on to help with all the uh, the fun tweets of the year. But uh, yeah, Jerry. Unanimous winner, Jekyll holding up a Cherby. <laughs> oh man, that is actually that there is was cool. another one that I can't find, but it was uh I think it was Art Morelli again where it was uh uh last opened up his wallet and giving back uh Vlahovic uh to uh Comiso, I think is what it was. I don't know why I didn't show up, but yeah, that's a that was a funny one too. But this one recency oh, recency bias right here there. <laughs> so so good, man. Ah, uh, so good, so good. All right, Jerry, I think that'll put a bow on this one. Uh, why don't you uh, take your time, plug away. First of all, thank you for joining me tonight on the show as uh, in Frank's absence. Uh, plug away, let us know what you got going on and uh, where we can find you. Yeah, so you can find me at jmancini8, um, basically writing for the Laziale and Serpents of Modenina. Madanina, and uh, I guess when the season's done, I'll probably be doing some MLS stuff for World Football Index once I get the chance, but uh, that's about it for me. Very good. Make sure you give a, a follow, a like, and subscribe to the Calcio Connection. And Jerry, uh, those guys do great work over there. We've been guests several times, and we're thankful for that. Uh, as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Uh, you can follow Frank Ravello at FTC underscore 21. Uh, we can be found on uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you name it, we're there. Same thing with streaming. We stream all over. Uh, you name the streaming service, we are streaming from that there as well. So uh, make sure you give us a follow, listen, and like. Uh, and until the next podcast comes, my friend, from Frank, from Jerry, myself, uh, we say we'll catch you soon. Ciao. Make it bounce.